we got a wonderful worship team. Amen. By the way, if you could play a horn or an instrument, we would love to have you join the team. Amen. Need some horn players, sax, trumpet, maybe a trombone, and sax, trombone, and trumpet. Everybody plays an instrument one time or another, like elementary or you know, junior high, right? We'll get that horn and pull it out. There was a, we heard Pastor Sonny said that he was playing trumpet. Yeah, he played trumpet one time for the worship team. He pulled out his trumpet and then it motivated people to come out because they didn't want to hear him play them. <laughs> a cool shot. You have, you have 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. So Ahab sent messages among all, all of the sons of Israel brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Father, we, we thank you, we love you. Lord, I, I love you for all the testimonies and what you're doing. I'm here in our, our ministry, not only locally, but globally. I pray that we would uh, cast that spirit, the spirit that, that, that fell upon uh, my pastor, Pastor Sonny, Pastor Steve. It fell upon me that, that we're compelled by your love to, to reach out to others all over the world. And we know that it only happens if we walk with you in an intimate way. Help us to be those people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is actually part three, and we've learned to this point that worship is a, is, is vital for our life, vital for our mental well-being, in fact. Amen. Without his presence, we will not overcome the world. We'll just become a part of the world. We might be uh, a little religious. We might even be good people. But nonetheless, we'll be just a part of the world. We have found last week exactly what Isaiah went through to have this type of a relationship where he had the guts to say, okay, I'll meet you guys out, all of you, at Mount Carmel. That took a lot of guts. He called all the prophets of Baal. And he went through that process where God first revealed himself to him. Then once God revealed himself, he realized how holy God is. So you realize how holy, then the next thing you, you understand, you recognize, because of his holiness, you see how sinful you are. Well, I don't care how good you may be if you you give, if you if you help people, whatever you do, our righteousness really is like filthy rags to the Lord. So we recognize after that realization of his holiness and, and really being revealed uh, who God is, our sinfulness, then we should come to a point where not that we get put down, but we get we begin to see life in a different perspective. We have a renewal of our vision. It's not the world that brings satisfaction. It's not it's not your, the things that you own or, or the title of your house or, or, or the pink slips of your car that brings satisfaction. But we have a new perspective of how God views eternity. Amen. And what's really important, we know we can't take nothing with us. So we, we know our perspective. 
and after we've had this real renewal, it's real, not just feeling sorry, but it's real, then you have a response in your lifestyle. You change your lifestyle. The response of real worship is a commitment to God. True commitment. Not just saying, I know who God is, but a true commitment. See, when God says to all of us, like he said in this book here in Isaiah, when he told Isaiah, who am I going to send? Your first response after coming into his presence should be, Lord, send me. I'll go. Despite the fact it may cause, like Pastor Anthony said, a little sacrifice, it may cause that. But you're willing. I'll do it, Lord. Whatever it takes, I'm available. See, it's not really the skills that you have, the doctorate, the bachelor's degree, the business you have. That, that's not really that important. What's more important than all of that put together is your availability. Yeah. I was in a meeting one time with Mark Spitz, and he shared that. And if you know Mark Spitz, I think he had 13 gold medals in his lifetime. Mark Spitz, one of the greatest swimmers of all time. And he said, why do you have these, this many medals? He goes, because the guys that were better than me weren't available. He said, there were many swimmers much more talented than I was, but they never made themselves available. When, they, when it was time for practice, I showed up. When it was time to, to travel to the games, I went. And those guys who were better than me weren't available. How many people who have all the talents, have the calling, but no availability? So your relationship, your, your response, your lifestyle should change. Now, if we're going to change our lifestyle, then at first it begins with one thing, and we're talking about these next four R's. It begins with your relationship. The first one that helps understand worship is relationship. See, for worship to be what it needs to be, your relationship needs to be right. Right? And when I say relationship, of course, with God, but with others. You know, the, the, the Bible is very clear. We fulfill all God's commands when we love God and love others as ourselves. So relationships have to be right. See, Elijah didn't come to Mount Carmel spiritually cold. He didn't come to the mountain unprepared. He spent years walking with God. He knew something about God. He had a relationship with God. And the Mount Carmel experience is a culmination of this man's spiritual journey. Now he was ready to face these 400 prophets of Baal. Elijah learned how to be close and intimate with God. Listen, in your time of need, you can call the pastor, and I'll pray for you. But you know what? You're, you are the one that makes the difference. Amen. Uh, we'll, we'll fast even, but you are the one that, that determines if you're going to make it. So where's your relationship at? See, the, all we go through, the process that we have in the discipleship class, the teachings, the preaching, are not here just to occupy your time and take away from your camping trip. No, my friend, it's to prepare you because that time in your life is coming. Yes. And when it comes, are you prepared? Oh, come on. Elijah learned how to, to be close. He learned how to be intimate. There's not a story of a man who came to Mark Carmel and suddenly he had this problem, 400 prophets of Baal, and he goes, oh, God, help me. Oh, no, 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 no. He didn't, he didn't suddenly call out to God. Here is a man who had walked intimately with God. Here is a man who had went to the test and went to the fire with God. He was cool with God. He followed. So you can almost say that Mount Carmel is just another day in the park. 
Interestingly, you got to understand this because we look at Elijah. Wow, look at Elijah. Elijah was not some kind of spiritual superhero. Right? He, he, he wasn't anything special. Yes, he was a prophet. He was a great man of God. He was a powerful man of God. But he was like us. Just a man. In fact, I would dare say that all of us have more at our command, more at our hand than Elijah ever did. He was just a man. Right? James 5.17, when the writer of James is writing about Elijah, he said, Elijah was a man just like us. So this mere man made some bold statements. Elijah asked fire to fall from heaven. Now think about that. He was just a man. He comes into this situation. He says, get your offering. I'll get my offering. And he, and he put buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets of water. The Bible says that the trench around the offering was full of water. It was soaked. And he said, fire is going to fall down from heaven. This didn't happen because he prayed 70 words. No, 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 no. It is not something that all of a sudden it just happened. And he just opened up the sacred door and began to worship God at a high level. No, 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 no. This was like the culmination. It was a process of a daily walk with God. Somewhere along his walk with God, God had told him, when you need me, I'm going to come down with fire. Because you don't just make stuff up like that. Huh? He had spent a great deal of time with God in prayer, in fasting. He had a, a wonderful relationship with God. Moses taught us well about the men's intimacy with God. Because we all need to become intimate. Because you know what? I believe that I'm confident. Because if you become intimate with God, we will walk in agreement. Why? Because that's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to follow God. All these other things, I'm trying to follow God. Other people listen to all these boys that want to do this and do that, get the freak on, do the freaky dinky, do all this stuff. That's your trip. I'm trying to follow God. Yeah. And if you're following God, we'll agree. Right. Right. Huh? I say when we don't agree, I, I know where I'm at. I'm my pastor. I know where I'm at in line. We don't agree. I, I, just, I hate to say this. Like, man, I got to pray for this brother. I got to pray for this sister. Why? Because they're in sin. There's something going on. I don't know what it is. You do. But if you're following God, you'll be intimate with him. Yes. Say amen. amen. See, Moses taught us about intimacy with God. The life of Moses and the children of Israel demonstrate really four circles concerning intimacy and worship with God. Four circles concerning the in intimacy, right? Because there's, there's different levels, right? And I don't know what level anyone is at, but you, you have what I call the outer circle. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 11, if you all turn there, there's an outer circle where most people live. Verse 19, I mean, chapter 19, verse 11 reads like this. And be ready by the 30, because on that day the Lord will come down on the Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain. Tell them, be careful that you do not go up to the mountain or touch it. Touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. That's heavy. Now remember, the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. See, when people become, get closer to God, you will die. Right? Now, you're not going to die like the Old Testament. It's a shadow. But you will die. Nobody say you will die. You, your desire will change. You will die to you. 
The Bible calls it dying to the flesh, right? Dying to self. But as you come, he goes, and God warns people, he says, no, don't get caught too close to me or you're going to die. And I'm, I'm teaching you how to get into with God. So what am I teaching you? I'm teaching you to commit spiritual suicide. Because <laughs> I want you to get close to God. Why? Because I, I know that if our flesh doesn't die, we'll never fulfill God's call. We have to learn to die. So you have the outer circle. But God said, you're not ready for it. At this level is where most people live. They know a lot about Yahweh, but remain at a distance. They know a lot about church. They know that they know when to stand, when to sit down, when to say hallelujah, when to dance. They know all the rituals, when to give their tithe. They haven't really got close. They never fully experienced the full spiritual covenant of God. And that is where most people live. Then you have the second circle. Well, well, some people get a little, you know, they get convicted, motivated, or they just more, more of a daredevil, or dare angel, should I say. They get closer. I'm not going to get closer to God. I'm going to get real close. I'm going to get deep. Let's keep reading in Exodus chapter 24, verse 9. I call it the second circle, if you will. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel under uh, God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. But God, check this out, but God did not raise his hand against the leaders of Israel. They saw God, ate and drank. See, previously he said, if you come close to even touch the hill, you're gonna die. Here you had a group of men, 70 elders, Came closer, and whatever reason God chose to, He allowed these men to see Him, but they didn't want killed. So this level was experienced by actually 74 elders who became intimate enough to see God when the masses could not. What am I saying? Oftentimes, when God keeps the masses at a distance, He wants them there until they're ready. Can I say it again? they're ready. I, I see them sometimes and I think about it and I go, well, God, we all sort of say God, correct? Amen. We're all filled with the same Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. We all believe the same word of God. But why is it some can, can watch and perform miracles and others can't? Why? Because why? Because some are close to me and others aren't. See, God wants to empower you with something that's way beyond you, but you have to want it. Let me say it again. You have to want it. Right. See, we're, we're in a world of voices and things, opportunities, and all the opportunities are call, calling your name, and we choose the opportunity. God is a gentleman. He's not going to force you. you he allows you to go anywhere you like. So what do you want? See, I've, I've had those opportunities. I've had those opportunities. Ask me, call me, invite me, and I say, no, why? Because I want one thing and one thing only. I want to get to know God. If my opportunity doesn't allow me to know God more, then it ain't worth it. I don't care if it's a raise to travel to New York and get more money, it ain't worth it. If, if that doesn't get me closer to God, it is just a distraction. Well, the third circle is found in Exodus chapter 24, verse 13 to 14. Check this out. Then Moses set, aside, set out with Joshua his aid. And Moses went up on the mountain of God. 
He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back. Aaron and her are with you. Anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. This was even more intimate, reserved for very few. See, Moses didn't get there just by happen chance. If you know his life, you read, you know, you guys all seen the book or seen the cartoon, right? You watched the movie, Cecil B. DeMille. But if you read the scripture, you found that Moses went through a lot. Yeah, yeah. He went through Cain. He was in the desert for 40 years, tending sheep, living in, so being raised at the, in the throne of Pharaoh's uh, court, trained in all the sciences, trained in, in the physics, mathematics, history. He, he, you would say he had a doctoral degree, trained in, there in the University of Egypt, just to be thrown out to the field and to what? Talk to sheep. Listen, you can't teach sheep math, science. He had to pay a price, but he stuck through it. Huh? It was the death that was experienced only by those who are prepared for it. It was a dying to himself. So we have to say, God, listen, we have to say, God, I want to die to myself. If it means getting closer to you. Well, I mean, that, and every, everybody's a little different. My sacrifice is not your sacrifice. That's mine. I like it. You can't have it. But you have your own. You have your own, and you have to be willing and wanting to pick it up. Catherine Coleman. They mentioned, uh, I think Pastor Sonny mentioned, or Junior mentioned Catherine Coleman. She was a woman, a guy, kind of weird. She was. And she would bring people in, and she would travel the world, and she would lead people to worship. Right? She wouldn't really preach much. And then the altar would come, and she would, she would go, and God's going to touch you. And when she flung her hand, the whole crowd would fall out. Powerful woman of God. She says that God called her, and it wasn't for her to be called. What happened was there was a man that God was calling, but he didn't want to lay down his life and give it to God. So he removed the man and called her. And she knew the man. She didn't name him. Listen, ladies. If the men ain't willing to die and get close to God and fulfill God's calling, you should jump in and take their, take them to their place. Come on, ladies. That was your time to amen. Because God has no respect to person. Catherine Coleman, she said this. She had to die a thousand deaths. I listen to that woman, I go, oh, that's a heavy lady. When we were first saved, my, my wife would, would, would read books on Catherine Coleman. And later on, we, we began to listen to this guy. Uh, uh, she came up with a thing called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. But um, Benny Hinn, and, I, and, and he began to move. And I found out later that Benny Hinn would follow Catherine Coleman all over at every meeting. And that's how he received his anointing. And that's a different story. What am I saying? If you're going to get into with God, you got to want it. Moses and Joshua, as they moved up the mountain, were in that level. They got in deep. The inner circle of people. Huh? Exodus 25.1 says, the Lord said to Moses. He's, now what's happening? What am I saying? The Lord said to Moses. The Lord spoke to him directly. 
Think about that. The Lord spoke to him directly. So some people use this phrase and they're not even in that level. They say, well, God spoke to me. And, and, and it's a flippant way of saying that maybe they read something. Listen, my friend, if God spoke speaking to you, then you need to become a pastor, an evangelist. You need to go and begin to pray, go to the hospital and pray, lay your hand on the sick if he's speaking to you. Because why else would he speak to you? Just so that you can decide what car you're going to buy? God doesn't care about your car. He cares about souls. He cares about people going to hell. That, those things, the light things, cars, curtains, business decisions, those are your decisions. We're talking about God's decisions. God's decision has eternity in balance. When your decision, whatever it be, has somebody's eternity in balance, my friend, God has spoken to you. Amen. Hmm? See, that place was reserved for, for the likes of Moses. Moses had absolute intimacy with God. 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God. Think about that. 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God. I can barely take five minutes, five seconds in the presence of God. Why? Because I'm wretched. I'm no good. I know that. God knows that. He, when he, but when he shows me, he just reminds me. Well, he doesn't remind me. I remind me. Well, I'm serving a holy God, an awesome God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he wants to talk to me? Are you kidding me? There's two things very significant that I, that I find about these four, four circles, if you will. Again, we're talking about the intimacy of God. So there are all kinds of levels of intimacy that are represented when you bring people together. I've learned this. There's all kinds of levels of intimacy. And some people who want more appreciate a message like this. Some people get offended as if I'm attacking you. And I'm not trying to attack you. I'm trying to help you get closer. Hmm? This morning, there are some of you that know about God. That's about it. You come perhaps once in a while, maybe you listen every now and then, and you know about him. Then there's that circle that comes and you not even know him. Oh, no, by him, rather, but you know him. It's a little different. It's like this. I know who Trump is. Does anybody know who Trump is? We all know who Trump is, but we don't know him. We don't know about him. We know nothing about him. We're here with the news, but we don't know about him. Are you with me? And, and, and many people are like that in God. Well, they know him, uh, about him, but they don't know him. I'm trying to get us to a point where you know him. But you know him, and you're following him, and you're doing his will, and there's truth coming off your life. People are getting changed. People are getting saved. People are getting delivered. You're laying hands on them, and the spirit of heroin is leaving their body. You're laying hands on them, and that spirit of perversion is being cast out. You're doing it. Why? Because you know God. You don't just know why don't when you see somebody coming your way, you say, all right, God, it's time to get it on. It's like, it's like when the, 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 the before the boxing match, a match there in, in Las Vegas, let's get ready to rumble. Well, that's what I 
there, he's going to die. So if he dies, I ain't getting him, so we're going to drag him out by the rope. That's how they did it. Could you imagine if we did it nowadays? If God's like, you come to church, and there's any sin in your life, you're going to die. Could you imagine that? Well, I better have a lot of rope. I should get the rope out. Hmm? No. We get to go in. Things are different now. So we have a royal priesthood. The Bible says you are a holy nation. Imagine that. Think about what you guys thought about last week. The good, sad, and the ugly. <laughs> Think about it. And God says you're a, a holy priest. A royal. Royalty is yours. Huh? See, because of what Jesus did with us, and the veil being ripped from the top to bottom, we are priests. Not because of you. Because if it was because of us, none of us would be priests. Come on, can I hear amen? amen. It's not because of us. Because what Jesus did, he ripped the veil from the top. He said, I'm making you a royal priesthood. So now we have the opportunity. Now, to even the fact that all we got to do is walk into it and take it, people don't take the walk. They, they know this fact, I'm giving you the fact, that you're able to come to the Holy Holy, but what happens? They don't come to the Holy Holy. They come and they go this way to the street deep. I, I was on my way to the Holy Holy, but then she walked by. Boy, would she walk? Tall and ten, and oh so lovely, the girl from the Ipanema was walking in. Right? And you were walking to the Holy Holy, but Ipanema got you. You know what I'm talking about. And I just forgot about the Holy Holy. Now Elijah, getting back to Elijah, him understanding the Moses, because Elijah studied the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. He, he knew Moses' life, probably better than his own life. So Elijah's close relation with God is revealed in his prayer and worship. In 1 Kings, go back to the beginning as I come in for landing. Chapter 18, verse 36, he says that at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, 
Today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know you. Notice the goal. It's not to beat up the prophet Barak. No, he said that your people may know you. That your people will know that you are the Lord. That they would leave all the other idols that corrupt their lives, occupy their time. That they would put everything aside and know that you are Lord. Yes. Answer me, O oh God. And turn their hearts back to you. That was his prayer. So that was his, you knew how intimate he was. Answer me, God. This is what intimacy is all about. When Elijah came to Mark Carmel, his relationship was already where it needed to be. Uh, when you, when you face your battles, well, let me say it again in case you're not paying attention. When you, or you, or you, or you face your battles, is your relationship with God where it needs to be? See, that's why Elijah says, this day, don't stand between two opinions. If you're going to serve the Lord, then follow him. But if you're not, then follow them. And it said in our opening scripture, the people were silent. See, the second thing you have to do is repent. Worship happens when people begin to turn their heart back to the Lord. Mark Carroll, the story of people who are undecided, the story of people who are confused, of people who are backslidden. It's a story of, of people who have misplaced their priorities. It's a story of people that had lost their focus on the Holy Spirit. And Elijah saw them. He didn't look at them with, with, with hate, he looked at them with sorrow. He saw the hurting and the lost people. So he brings them, he sees it, and he challenges them, and he brings them all to Mark Carmel to regain their focus, to get their focus back on God. He brought them to this mountaintop to get their hearts right with God. Elijah's prayer was for their, them to repent. He says, God, help them to see your glory. Help them to see who you are, so that they will turn their heart back to you. Help them, God. Worship. Just, I'm going I'm to commit God. I'm going I'm to worship you, God. I'm ready. Today, today, many of you will turn away from sin. I know that. But without worship, you haven't fully turned. You have to begin to worship Him with your life. See, prior to repentance, your heart is cold. But when you repent, your heart warms up to God. You say, Yes, God. Yes, God. They're close. In an average church service, there are these types of people. Some have a cold and stare worship. Nothing really happens. There are many people here today that one time in your past, you went to service and it was just a ritual. You just went in and you did things. You're not even sure why you came, but you just came. You did them maybe for how you thought you were supposed to do them. And you walked out and wondered, why are you still empty? You've been there. 
Some are thrilled to come and see the great show, hear the worship. Maybe you like my preaching, I don't know. Others come to be filled, and this is what we're trying to get. I'm trying to get you. Others come to be filled with power and the presence of God. Yes, yes. I pray that's why we come. There's other things that are okay, but that's not why we come. We enjoy them, but that's not why we come. We come, why? Because we want to be filled with power. I want to be filled with power. I was in Redwood City one and, and Pastor Ed Morales was preaching, and he was talking, and he was talking about having the power. And I want the power so bad, and there was about 2,000 people on the first level. So I ran up to the back level by myself and hit him in the corner, and I felt the power of God hit me. And I, and I wept, 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 and I was so tired I had no more water to come out of my eyes. Why? Because I wanted God's power. I didn't want to see the world. I didn't want anything else pleasing me. I just wanted one thing, God. I want to know you. It's my job. Now, to help you come to the presence. I can't make you. You have to want it. In his presence, if you see him, you'll walk out of this service different and changed. In his presence. See, it's God. I say, it's God. Put your name there. It's God. Come on, look your name It's God. See, it's God. If there's anything good about this service this morning, it's God. If there's anything beauty, beautiful about your life, it's God. If there's anything that changes your life, it's God. It's God. A. W. Tozer makes a marvelous analogy about being Jesus in his presence. And he says, it was the first Palm Sunday and here comes Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the crowd began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the old darn donkey, the donkey, perks up his ears. Some of the crowd threw their coats into the road. Others spread out their palm branches and laid them out. And the donkeys said, well, switching the flies off of his mange patch back. The donkey thought and said, I had no idea that people appreciate me like this. Listen to the Hosannas, would you? Donkey thought, I must really be something. A donkey. What am I saying? When you're walking with God and people see Jesus, they may give you credit, tell about the great song you sang, and you'd agree with his heart. And I see you can hand out how good people. Just like talking, they appreciate you. Look at Jesus. It's Jesus. Yes. They see Jesus, and they say, "Good job, see." They say, "Jesus." They hold the They say, "Jesus." They say, "Where did you get that praise?" They say, "Jesus." That's why people appreciate 
Because we're riding, or rather, we're allowing Jesus to ride us in. I will never get by. Never that close. There is body right close. Today, the altar call of repentance for those who want to deepen their relationship with God. Again, I don't know where you're at. Some may simply need to be forgiven of sin to make their first step. That's you. When I make it all, I need to come up with my prayer. Others, maybe in the other level, know more about God, but begin to sidetrack. It's okay, we've all done that. This all calls for you. Some of those have been faithful to God, working hard. But you know, God wants to take you to another level. You've been here a while. I'm calling you a full time ministry. Maybe start your own church. Wherever you're at, God is You really want to come into His presence. As we sing this song, you all know.